This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Apple is reportedly planning to launch a redesigned MacBook Pro this summer following a surge in Mac sales. Now, what we do know that is Apple has a lot up its sleeve for this year and they are planning to redesign their MacBook Pro laptops with an updated version of its in-house processor sometime this summer. Now, the update will be followed by new versions of of the MacBook Air, the Mac Pro desktop, and even the entry-level MacBook Pro, just likely later in the year. Now, it does show just how Apple is quickly working to capitalize on using its own chips just after announcing that last year it would transition into them instead of those Intel chips. Yes, indeed. And we've definitely seen a lot of people very excited about the Mac or the iMac lineup, especially because recently we've seen them launch the spring lineup, actually very, very recently. And a lot of people have been excited to purchase all of those. So I'm excited to see if they're going to come up with a new spring line for their MacBook Pros, because I'm sure a lot of people I know would be excited to purchase those as well. Yes, now Apple's uh, MacBook customers do seem to like the new chips so far, which was paired with that at-home work environment of the pandemic and a crop of the that new M1 computer. Now, those M1 chips were making a fuss in the tech industry as uh, it was kind of weird for, in- for Mac to kind of... Uh, mm throw out Intel and say, we don't need your Intel chips anymore. We'll be doing everything in-house. And from now on, we'll be using our own chips. And believe it or not, the M1 chips are doing great. You are going to actually change your computer for the yeah, M1 yeah. chip one, right? Yeah, I know a lot of people who actually uh, stopped using their own laptops or traded in their old MacBook laptops and got that new M1. And people who had the MacBook Pros uh, actually went and got the new MacBook Airs because yeah. they are faster than the old MacBook Pros. Absolutely. So let us know what are your thoughts. I mean, I personally think a lot of people are going to go ahead and uh, purchase the new MacBook Pro if they were to go ahead and launch a new one. I myself would actually consider it. I don't know about you, honey. Yeah. I mean, the new MacBook Pro will look different from that current model, according to that report. And it has design has been actually unchanging for the last several years. And uh, I do think that Apple in general should change the design, but keep that slim, sleek design that uh, the, the the simplistic. Now, uh, Apple products are very well known for being simplistic, not too flashy, but the logo does speak for itself. That's why a lot of people like MacBook uh, or Apple products because you do know you're getting that premium quality when it does come to computers, laptops, or even uh, tablets. Absolutely. Let us know your thoughts. 4215 do it But coming up on the show, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Sina Habibi all about a three-minute iPad test that could potentially predict if you have dementia or Alzheimer's 15 years in advance. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. Pulse95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. Could a three-minute iPad test predict if you will develop dementia 15 years in advance? This is not coming from an episode of Black Mirror. It is real life that we're talking about. And joining us today is Dr. Sina Habibi, who is actually the co-founder of Cognitivity Neurosciences, a technology company that is currently working on a cognitive testing platform that could easily detect dementia through an iPad test. Thank you so much, Dr. Sina, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the show, Doctor. It's a pleasure to have you. 
It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Now, doctor, let's kickstart the conversation by asking you, how does the test actually help doctors to diagnose those mental deterioration and Alzheimer's disease and multiple sclerosis just 15 years before patients even start showing those symptoms? Sure. Absolutely. The process for uh, diagnosing any of these neurological disorders uh, starts with a cognitive test. Mm -hmm. You uh, start with asking some uh, questions in order to see if your patients are thinking straight. Uh, all these cognitive tests are using old methodologies. For example, when it comes to uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, the questions that they ask are heavily memory-based questions. Mm -hmm. And um, we always say uh, our methodologies to, to, to detect this disease have not changed since the discovery of the disease. Uh, when Dr. Alzheimer's characterized the first uh, patient, patient number one, mm -hmm. uh, he asked memory questions and we're still doing that. What we've done in contrary is to look at something else. We look at speed of information processing by the brain. So to put it in a very, very simple computer analogy, while everyone else is looking at hard drive of the brain, mm -hmm. we look at the CPU of the brain. As a result, we've developed a test which is a lot more sensitive to less deterioration, to those subclinical changes in brain that happens a lot earlier before the onset of major uh, symptoms such as heavy memory loss. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through the test? So what we know is it's an iPad test, so it's it doesn't require any big heavy machines, no MRIs involved. Uh, so can you walk us how does the test start and what should a patient do to find out if they have d dementia or Alzheimer's in advance? Absolutely. The test is a five minute test, as you mentioned, it's a software, software as medical device delivered by Apple iPads. And during the course of five minutes, we show around 100 natural images to the participants. And we ask a very simple question. Did you see an animal in the image, anywhere in the image or not? And half of these images have an animal, half of them they don't. Images come on the screen and go away very, very quickly. To be more precise, it's 150 milliseconds. It's wow. a flash of an image come on the screen and goes away. And you're supposed to respond to that very simple question. You tap on the right side of the screen if you see an animal, and you tap on the left side if you don't see an animal. This is due to very, very basic uh, instincts in all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, over the years of evolution, the human brain has evolved to be very, very sensitive to pictures where animals are present. This is due to what we call food or fear phenomenon. We mm -hmm. either had to run after some of those animals or run away from some of those animals. So there's a lot of literature that shows that human brain gets wired and uh, responds very, very sensitively where they see animals. We play with a lot of characteristics of those images. That's where the AI uh, artificial intelligence angle comes in. Mm -hmm. For example, some of the images are more complex. Some of them have more information uh, for the brain to process, and some of them are trickier. With this, we build a profile of responses uh, of each participant that then we can compare with the historical data, uh, which is a very powerful technology in order to uh, map one's performance 
and say whether they are at risk or at the beginning of the uh, disease progression. Mm. Mm. And how many mistakes can a person have? So let's say you showed us the pictures of the animals and a person did one mistake or two mistakes. Does that go ahead and immediately or does the AI immediately categorize them as people with a risk? Uh, this is a very interesting question. Uh, the test yeah. is designed to be very, very challenging. Uh, um, so the idea is pick mm. those very challenges mm. in the brain. So in short, no one uh, extremely uh, complicated. Uh, but uh, the idea is to have spectrum of responses that you have from say zero to hundred. And normally people who uh, perform overall below 50, uh, you uh, flag them out as, as being at risk and they need to be further uh, assessed. Mm. Uh, people who do above that, and again, this is dependent on their age. So uh, everything is normalized. Uh, yeah. So older people, if they perform uh, above a certain level, they're fine. But uh, when you come to the younger population, then the performance, the ceiling is uh, raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now how did AI, what's the role of AI in this test, artificial intelligence? Great question. Uh, again, uh, <clears throat> in comparison, to just give you an idea how this works, uh, using an analogy, uh, the technology works like, you can imagine a, a neurologist or a specialist, a psychiatrist that sees mm -hmm. patients and never forgets what that patient's information was mm. and continues to learn uh, with additional data. So every patient who comes in and gives us the medical, uh, their medical history and um, we get a tag, we get an assessment on them, uh, we then add it to our database. And as a result, over the long run, the, the algorithm becomes very, very sensitive. And again, coming back to uh, the analogy, it, it's, a, it's like a neurologist that keeps remembering every single patient that they've seen. Mm -hmm. And as a result, the next patient who comes in can be easier mm -hmm. diagnosed. Absolutely. Amazing. Coming up on the show, we're going to be talking about where this technology has actually been trialed and whether or not we will hopefully see it right here in the UAE pretty soon. If you have any questions for Dr. Sina Habibi, make sure you share them with us at 4215-Dorit-Tisalat or sign into RDMs at Pulse95 Radio. Keep Pulse95 locked. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pulse95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al-Saleh and Hany Balkis. With diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's, early detection could make all the difference, especially when doctors go ahead and create for patients certain lifestyle changes, give them the right treatment plan so that they can go ahead and delay the onset of those symptoms as much as possible. Instead of hours of testing, a five-minute iPad test was created to help make this process easier. Joining us today is Dr. Sina Habibi, co-founder of Cognitivity Neurosciences, a technology company that is developing a cognitive testing platform that can detect dementia through an iPad test. It's been a great conversation with you, Dr. Sina. Same. Thank you. Now, doctor, how is this test different from the other methods of testing that are currently being used? We do know that that test, uh, the iPad test takes around five minutes when the other tests do take hours. But could you give us a little bit more background on those? 
Yes, absolutely. So uh, the process of diagnosis starts with, uh, with a cognitive test. These tests uh, are uh, pen and paper tests where different domains of the brain, such as memory, uh, executive function, navigation are tested separately. Mm -hmm. And uh, these tests are uh, very crude and they're designed to, uh, to detect the disease at later stage, uh, stages of development. Uh, sometimes we say uh, anybody can diagnose patients when uh, they, they fail these tests mm -hmm. because uh, the symptoms are heavily progressed and, and uh, present. Uh, for example, these are designed for people who go out and they uh, forget the address back home or unfortunately they can't remember the children's name. Um, one of the examples, for example, is uh, just to give you an idea, uh, one of the most used tests in the space, uh, Montreal Cognitive Assessment asked the uh, participants or uh, potential patients who was the president of the United States who got assass assassinated in the 60s. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine by this time, uh, if someone doesn't remember that, uh, the, the, the problem is heavily progressed. Mm -hmm. However, what we've done, we've uh, designed a test which is a lot more challenging, a lot more sensitive to subtle changes in the brain and gets all those key parts uh, of the brain activated uh, at the same time. As a result, it's more uh, sensitive to, to less deterioration or less changes in the brain. 100%. Now, when we're thinking about a, th a five minute iPad test, it sounds amazing. And especially now that you've mentioned how inclusive it can be for everyone, it does not rely on specific information that only some people might know. A lot of people may be wondering, what about the accuracy? So how accurate is this test at being right? And could it make any mistakes? Absolutely. There's always uh, there's always an error uh, in in any um, uh, any detection method, uh, but we are proud to say that uh, through clinical trials we have shown that our technology is more accurate than gold standards used in the uh, in the space. Uh, when you go to uh, accuracy, it needs to be defined. Uh, what is uh, the criteria and uh, in, in in what classification here? One of the major ones that we use is uh, our ability to classify patients uh, with MCI, which is the earliest stages of clinical uh, diagnosis, versus healthy people in the same uh, age category. And we have uh, above 90% uh, accuracy for doing so. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, I personally like it. Absolutely. Now, we are definitely wondering where is this technology currently being trialed? So who tried it out and the number of people that it was successful with? Mm -hmm. uh, the trials are over. We are in commercial use in, uh, in, in the United Kingdom uh, in, in two major uh, NHS trusts. Mm -hmm. Uh, over the years, uh, we've been through multiple clinical trials. Uh, yeah. The last one uh, was again in, in the UK because we are uh, a startup from Cambridge University uh, and uh, we have a strong affiliation with, with the UK and NHS as a result. Uh, the final uh, clinical trial that uh, granted us CE marking uh, was done in 10 major NHS trusts all around London. Yeah. And each NHS Trust or National Health Services, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, mm -hmm. uh, uh, supports uh, and cover uh, 
close to half a million people. So wow. they have multiple number of hospitals, a mm. uh, few tens of uh, clinics. Uh, so we have been in trial mode in 10 NHS trusts and now in commercial use in uh, two of those. Amazing. Now, I want to ask you uh, the question of the hour, right? <laughs> when or when are we going to see or the future of the implementation of this technology right here in the UAE? Now, this obviously is a very innovative and groundbreaking technology that I would like to see in the UAE. When do you expect it to come over here? Very soon. We are excited to be here and we're looking for the right partners uh, and collaborators mm -hmm. uh, in order to uh, to get the technology here. Uh, we believe its impact is global and UAE ha it has got a fantastic platform uh, to, to, to be our stepping stone in the Middle East and from here to Asia. Um, we, uh, we expect this to be in use uh, in, in, in clinics uh, uh, very soon, uh, as soon as we, uh, we sort out uh, the right partner and the right strategy uh, for deployment. Well, Doctor, we do wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. And just before we wrap up the conversation, uh, a lot of people may be wondering, why is it important for us to detect Alzheimer's or dementia? beforehand why is it important that we catch those symptoms early on when there is no cure for the disease to begin with great question uh, in absence of pharmacological treatment for alzheimer's there is uh, one major showing in town and that's lifestyle and lifestyle factors have shown to be very very effective in fact uh, there was a recent paper in Lancet, which is very reputable, uh, one of the most reputable uh, journals that showed uh, people with uh, genetic factor of Alzheimer's have managed to uh, prevent uh, the disease uh, by lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And if you diagnose early, uh, you have a chance uh, that, uh, to, to change lifestyle and to delay or even prevent onset of symptoms. And also, uh, don't forget that we have some very, very interesting uh, drugs that they are very close to uh, approval uh, by the FDA. Uh, we're talking, talking about matter of weeks and they're effective only at MCI, which is the earliest wow. stages of disease mm -hmm. deterioration. It's amazing, amazing how diseases that once were like a death sentence, now there's so much hope to potentially finding a cure and until then at least doing some lifestyle changes to help delay the symptoms. Dr. Sina Habibi, co-founder of Cognitivity Neurosciences, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us more about your amazing invention. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, doctor. It was an honor. Coming up Thanks. on... The Coming up on the show, we have lots to share with you about what's happening with TikTok as they begin in-app shopping. So make sure you keep Pulse95 locked and we'll be right back. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. 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 Apps all around. What's worth a click and download? We're talking about TikTok, ladies and gentlemen, and how they are testing an in-app shopping uh, type of uh, area or section. And uh, a lot of people are speculating that they're challenging Facebook now. Facebook, we have been talking about over the past couple of months, have made been making a lot of updates when it came to Facebook shop, Instagram shop. And they even uh, took a whole button for the likes and for the posts just to have that shopping area into Instagram but today we're talking about TikTok and how they might be following suit and following the footsteps of Facebook now 
I have been actually a big supporter of TikTok for a long time now. Looks like I got to change my mind. <laughs> Why is that? You should actually be happy that now they're they're widening nope. their horizons. There's nope. going to be shopping on TikTok. Nope. <laughs> so when you post a TikTok video, now people can go ahead and shop whatever it is that you're wearing. Nope, because then it, it will be very heavily... Uh, E-commerce? Ad- advertised, you know? Oh, yes. Influencers will be start making a funny video. Then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> well, why don't you drink some black coffee from Hanny's Coffees? <laughs> To get excited for today, I don't like that, man. I don't like advertisements. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I agree with you because this is what annoys us about Facebook and Instagram. The heavy advertisements, the tracking of users. And now TikTok is going to be, I feel like, struggling with the same thing. Or at least trying to monetize creators through the same ways. Now, as of what we've seen, TikTok is working with brands like the streetwear label Hype to test in-app sales in Europe, which is actually a move that's going to be blurring the line between online shopping and online shopping websites and social media platforms. They're hoping to replicate what their Chinese cousin, <laughs> the app Douyin, was actually doing. So Douyin has about $26 billion of e-commerce transactions in just the first year of its operations. And TikTok is currently working with merchants in the market, including the UK, so that they can go ahead and sell products directly to users through the application without having to redirect them to another link. Now, uh, we might be looking at how uh, TikTok is going to be challenging Facebook, but let's talk about something else, right? We're looking at ByteDance, which is the owner of TikTok, and how they're moving aggressively into a $1.7 trillion Chinese e-commerce arena in hopes of adding another mega growth story to its stable ahead of a much-anticipated initial public offering. Mm -hmm. So... They do have or they are going against a very, very big market and a big, very, very big uh, sea. They are a very small fish in a very big sea because $1.7 trillion of e-commerce in China is not something to, to, to take lightly. And ByteDance or TikTok does aim to handle more than $185 billion of that e-commerce annually by 2022. So uh, it does look like they will be trying to even compete with that Chinese e-commerce threshold. But for me, I don't think that they will do any good. Mm. I just don't. Me personally, I don't buy anything off Instagram nor Facebook. Uh, There's a dedicated website for it. Amazon, I'll go to it. But uh, again... It's not. It's not. I don't. I don't. I don't think it will. It will have some success. Now, uh, some people do buy things off Facebook or Instagram yeah. per se, but uh, not me. When you said, you know, for a second, I was gonna say, oh, I do buy from Instagram, but come to find out, I really don't because I don't trust them. I've heard so many stories about people placing orders on Instagram, paying to that retailer, and then never receiving the item, which is, I think, the biggest worry that people have when shopping on social media platforms but just like you said a lot of people do it and it's been gaining success it's been gaining a lot of tractions and it's been even allowing creators to make money off of instagram and facebook so when we talk about tiktok becoming a part of the e-commerce platform or becoming an e-commerce platform it's a little late to the game if you think about it a lot of other social media platforms have been way ahead of it but they're testing they're learning about the different partnerships that they could do about the algorithms and the trends on these social media platforms and exploring new ways of how can they do the same thing but in a different way yes i mean uh, again 
we want to know your guys thoughts though uh although for me uh i'm the best when i do uh kind of uh See in the future, I do have a crystal ball yeah, right that in I keep of... inside of my brain that no one can see. But every time I speculate something, 99.9.9.9.9.0009% of the time, it is uh, right. Not What's to your much. speculation for today? That's not going to work. It's not going to work out? It's not going to work out. Or it's just going It's going to stay there. It's not like they're going to remove it. Yeah. It's going to stay there, but they won't make that much money off of it. Maybe a couple of people. Because, again, you have to talk about demographics. True. TikTok's demographic is kids without credit cards. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. Facebook, on the other hand, a lot of old people with credit cards. Instagram, <laughs> a very broad mix, demographic. Yeah, a very broad demographic. You have young, old, small, everyone. They have credit cards or they can get a credit card for someone else but i don't think a nine-year-old uh, watching dun, 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 is gonna say is has a credit card and can pay 50 dollars plus shipping and handling <laughs> let us know your thoughts our text lines are open for two and five door it is a lot but coming up on the show we're talking about twitter previewing the ticketed spaces the, the one feature that i really really don't like about twitter it's starting to be tested out and we're going to be giving you the latest updates on that keep us 95 locked we'll be right back this is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Apps all around. What's worth a click and download? Pulse 95. We pay money to buy tickets to go to the movies, to go to a theater performance, but would you pay money to buy a ticket to listen or watch a Twitter live spaces? Are you asking me? I'm asking you and everyone else, but you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face right now. I wouldn't pay one dirham to no watch dirham. Twitter followers fight and argue each other. Well, well, it's it's kind of your unlucky day because they're actually launching the tickets ticketed spaces feature, a preview of it today in the US. So users can go ahead and see for themselves what they would look what it would look like and what can they expect when they host their first one. What's interesting about it is it's not going to be allowing everyone to make money out of it. You have to have at least a thousand followers to be able to charge people for money to come and watch your live space. Yeah, so uh, basically you're going to be listening to people who think they uh, they mean something in life because they have a thousand followers. Now, uh, you actually have to host three spaces in the past 30 days plus 1,000 followers plus you have to be 18 years old. So the Thank God. I mean, I can lie. Yeah, I know, but like I was eighteen years. I was eighteen when you were twelve. When I was twelve, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. But uh, the company is partnering with Stripe to handle those payments, and it does say that users will receive eighty percent of that revenue after Apple and Google's in-app purchase fees are taken. Mm. So let's do some quick maths. <laughs> if you sell a ten dollar ticket, Apple would presumably take thirty percent of that cut, mm. leaving you and Twitter to split this the remaining seven dollars. And 80% would go to you and 20% would go to Twitter. Now, the company does say it will cover the cost of Stripe's transaction fees and hosts will actually need a Stripe account. Now, this is a amazingly horrible feature, right? Amazingly horrible. Great description. Right? I mean, let, I don't have a much, much time to rant, but mm. I'll put one thing into perspective. Mm. The biggest podcast in the world that Spotify paid $100 million to have it on the platform, which was the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm. Joe Rogan himself goes on Clubhouse and has sessions 
for free. <laughs> so if you think Who people are you to are good, charge yeah. money for if a you, live space? If you think your favorite artist who creates memes every day is gonna is gonna make a Twitter space and you expect me to pay four dollars or ten dollars yeah. to listen to him say Yeah, uh I like to right, Welcome I mean, everyone. Welcome everyone and draw in my meantime. No one's gonna do it, right? Joe, yeah. I, again, I, 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 don't, like, I don't know what Twitter is doing. I think if it's if it's a very famous politician, maybe famous celebrities. A famous that are, politician wouldn't use Twitter as a platform to talk about political things. Not to talk about, but just for people to have. Basically, if you want to make some money, not just politicians. I mean, famous influencers, celebrities, maybe. Instagram Live is funner. It is funner. And it's That's, there. And Instagram has a Q&A. Exa- I was just going to say, it has a Q&A feature. It has just the ability for you to actually comment on people's lives. What, See, we're, the more you talk about it, the more dumb it sounds. The lower in standards, <laughs> to the ticketed live yeah. spaces go. I, listen, Jack Dorsey, I think I'm going to cut this video. I'm going to mention you on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm going to say, what are you doing? Tip <laughs> jars, uh, Twitter spaces for money. Every way to monetize the platform. Next thing you, I'm going to know is to retweet, you're going to have to pay a, uh, a don't, cent. Don't forget about the super follow. Yeah, uh, that's Tinder. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I know. A lot of ways to try and monetize the platform. Personally, we think it's not going anywhere, but we want to hear from all of you. 4215, do it to What are your thoughts about paying to be able to watch a live space on Twitter? You're not even watching, Twitter? you're listening. Listening, Why, whatever you want to call it. Clubhouse is for free. Why would we pay for ticketed live? Instagram lives are for free. Yeah, I can watch and listen. <laughs> Imagine that. (laughs) Let us know your thoughts. Future Talk is coming to an end, but we'll catch you again tomorrow. Same time, same place from 2 to 3 p.m. Until then, we're going to be opening the airways for the live coverage of the Sharjah Reading, Sharjah Children Reading Festival from 4 to 5 p.m. with the duo Aisha Mazmi and Mikhail Atiyah. They've been speaking to authors from all around the globe these past few days, and you still have some time to catch it up. It'll be ending pretty soon on the 29th of May. We want to wish you a blessed afternoon, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.